Welcome back to the show, everyone. This is On My Way to School with me, Adam Peterson, and I am so excited for an inspiring, inspiring, inspiring is the it's the only word I can use to describe this episode with my good friend Elizabeth Barr. Uh, she talks about hope and heartache and always seeing the good in every situation you're faced with and never giving up, and, and you are not going to want to miss it. So, so check this out. And while you're listening to it, I hope that you have a good cup of coffee in your hand or your cup holder, wherever it is that you're going. And hopefully that coffee is filled with coffee from my friends at sandhillcoffee.com. They are our sponsor of this podcast. And if you head to Sandhill Coffee, that's S-A-N-D-H-I-L-L coffee.com and use the promo code SCHOOL10, you will save on your order at sandhillcoffee.com. It's the only coffee I drink here at home. Check them out. Get yourself some and uh, let me know what you think of the blends. But let's get into this super inspirational story from my good friend, Elizabeth Barr. You know how when you're on an escalator and then you like get off of it and it feels kind of funny? (laughs) Um, That's kind of how my life is right now. (laughs) I'm trying to figure out my new normal. Um, And it's good. It's good stuff. I'm definitely like, you know, diving into all the self-help stuff and like time management and stuff. But it's definitely like challenging me. And I think mostly challenging me in my purpose because yeah. I felt so much purpose like you know, being in the classroom. I'm sure you can relate to that too. I, I can. Yeah. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a good conversation because it's funny that you mentioned all that. So before we go any further, my guest is a lit. So how do you say your new last name? Yeah. Bear. Bear. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was bear or bar. Um, I know you as Elizabeth Collier, uh, but you just recently got married. Yep, I sure did. I didn't know. So was that kind of like a, a secret to the outside world that you were? I mean, I knew you guys were together, the but world? I, I just saw it on Instagram yeah. one day. I'm like, oh, she got married. <laughs> yeah. So we did this like, um, we, di- we didn't really have a ceremony yet. We had a ceremony, but it was very like courthouse. We basically eloped. And so like we're, and just to be, just to be blunt. Um, so this is my second marriage. This is his second marriage. And Mm -hmm. we, you know, are a beautifully blended family. Um, and we are going to have a ceremony next year, but we didn't want to wait on getting married without like telling people. And so so we told everybody and the uh, similar response to a lot of our friends and family, like, wait a minute, wait, what happened? <laughs> and we're like, no, we, we just, you know, we wanted to finalize and get married and make that official, but we are going to have a ceremony later That's next awesome. year. So, um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'm so happy it's for going you guys. Well, so. It looked gorgeous too. The, thank you. the pictures you posted. So that, that's awesome. So those of you listening, you may know Elizabeth by her, her business name, the kinder hearted classroom. Um, that's when, when you and I first connected through our mutual friend, Didi. Um, and then the more I got to know you through your website and your, your story, I, I was just fascinated by your journey in life and, and especially, you know, what you've gone through, you know, with this, with this transition to a, another new life. I mean, now you've mentioned you have chickens and you're a farmer and you have all kinds of stuff going on. So <laughs> tell us, I mean, let's, I don't know how vulnerable you are to all of this and what, but I, I think your story, yeah. I know you shared it in your newsletter and whatnot of your childhood is, is so so powerful. I've caught myself rereading that newsletter and, and your story so many times, um, just sitting in front of my computer and thinking back to, you know, where you started, I guess, or where you came from to where you are now. You've, you've had a pretty amazing journey in life. Um, 
Mm. So for those of that are listening to this and not know, can you, can you share your story that you've shared? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I just want to preface this by saying that, you know, everybody's got a story and I think it's so important, especially as teachers to always remember your why. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I became a teacher because of my childhood and the teachers who invested in me. And I think you'll hear in just a minute, um, the true impact that teachers have on my life, um, as a child. And I was that child that you would have thought would have ended up on the streets. And, um, and I'm so thankful for educators and for teachers who invested in me and loved on me and saw potential and championed me because as an adult now who is in education, who not only you know works with students, but provides professional development to other educators, I really hope that my story just inspires teachers to continue doing what they do, even when it's hard and on those hard days, remember that it might be the thing today that might really stand out and impact a, a student. Maybe it's the hug that you gave them or the check-in. And so, um, yes, so I will share my story, um, but I just want to preface it with that. And no, I love I it. I love it that you, you do. Know, okay. <laughs> uh, my dog is in this room and I, there's nowhere <laughs> I can put my dog, but he's not going to bark. And so you might hear him rattle around in the back. So I apologize for that, but that's all right. Um, At least once okay. every episode that I record, Augie will come running in here and you hear his little collar jingle, but he's probably chilling yeah. out in the living room on his recliner right now. But I, I love you it that you, you, you preface <laughs> that you preface with that too. And, and I think, the, the thing I think about, I love about your story is it's it's one of those like true never judge a book by its cover kind of stories because when I first, I mean, I don't think we've ever officially met in person, but when I met you in this virtual world and talked to you a number of times, never in a million years would I have guessed your childhood story until I read it. So it's it's such a true testament to, you know, hard work and integrity and the the passion of our career. And I'm glad you mentioned that about the teachers in your life. But yeah, share I mean, we don't have to start at the very beginning, but share what we're talking about. Yeah. For those that don't know Elizabeth Barr, share your story. Yes. Okay. So um, I'll kind of summarize my childhood and then I'll go into, you know, kind of like teen years and adulthood. But I think it's important to start with like your foundation. So um, I was born, when I was born, I was born to um, a, a drug addict. My mother was a drug addict. She just struggled with addiction uh, the majority of her life. Um, and so I just want to say too, she is clean and sober now, and I'm so proud of her and the work awesome. that she's done and the stuff she's taken. It's just a testimony to, like you said, hard work. Um, but the majority of my childhood, I did not know my mother. I met her once when I was 12, once when I was 14. And then I connected with her when I was in my twenties after I had my first son. Wow. Um, but when I was born, I was taken away from her when I was about three months old and I was put into the foster care system. I was in the foster care system for about three, three and a half years and filtered through five different foster homes. And I, you know, I say like, I have such a heart for fostering and adoption because of mm -hmm. what I went through. Um, but I will say, you know, there's some people and it's changed some today, but back then there were some people in the system that genuinely loved and cared for the kids in their homes. Um, and then there were others that were in it for more of the money. And I experienced a bit of both. So there was some abuse, there was neglect. Um, I just kind of had a life of instability going through five different homes during that, that time, those three and a half years. Um, during that time, my biological father found out that he had a daughter. <laughs> and so he stepped up and adopted me. And my so, yeah, dad- he had no idea until you were, you were three? 
He wasn't sure. He knew okay. that she got pregnant, but he wasn't sure. And so he would like come check in with me from my understanding, but was there was never like a for sure. Okay. Um, and so when I was almost four, I think three and a half, four years old, my biological father adopted me. And, um, my dad is like Peter Pan. He's like, (laughs) he's like full of adventure and wonder. And if you can just envision with me, like when I, so when I was a child and my dad was, you know, my age now, he's like, he was in, um, construction. So he was like super buff. He's like this tall six foot two, you know, lean guy with this red burly beard. He's, you know, I red (laughs) hair. And just full of adventure. Like he would have rather, you know, been on a dirt bike and a trampoline um, than, you know, sit down and do homework. And so I want to preface the majority of my time with my dad. (laughs) It was an adventure. (laughs) Um, So I moved in with my dad and we were like dirt poor. Like I was just reminiscing because, you know, with the holidays coming up, um, we're talking about what we want to do for Christmas and um, and how we want to, you know, do gifts and everything. And I like had this flashback of my, I, I, it's the first Christmas that I remember. And I was living with my dad in the ghetto in Chicago. And in this one bedroom apartment, I had like one toy, a Mr. Potato head. And he was like missing every part except for an eyeball. (laughs) And so I like literally had no toys. And my dad got my sister and I, a puzzle from the dollar store. And it was like the only thing he could afford. And I remember as a child and you know, like hindsight's 2020, but like, I remember feeling like ungrateful for this puzzle because I'm like, Mm -hmm. I know that other kids get more gifts and I, but looking back, I'm like, my dad cared so much that we had something and it wasn't just any gift. He could have gotten us a Barbie or he got us a puzzle to sit down and like do the puzzle something with to do right yes yeah. and so um yeah something to do and so that was just my dad my dad was all about the experiences all about the adventure um however with that um he didn't he didn't make money and i think it was a combination of you know he didn't work and between not working and sometimes he'd work, but he just wasn't consistent in his job. And so we were like dirt poor. Like, um, I remember I didn't have a bed when I was in the apartments and then we would get evicted. And so I remember like walking up the stairs, carrying two gallons of milk and like all my stuff was like thrown out in the hallway. And so I think after two or three experiences like that, we moved in with his parents. So my grandparents, and, um, uh, they were like, I can still remember grandma's house smell. Like it smelled like, like fresh toast and apple pie. Cause she just cooked all the time. And, um, but grandma was a Republican and grandpa was a Democrat and they <laughs> talked to each other like that. And so they had their challenges in their relationship. Um, so we moved in when I was in first grade and we lived there for about a year and I would spend most summers with my grandparents and they loved me so well. Like, honestly, they fed me well. I always knew like my clothes might've been used, but I at least knew that I had a, you know, a roof over my head, food in my stomach when I was there. Well, my dad did not like to live there. And so he decided 
he was going to go build a teepee out in the back woods of this property that he had found. And we would go there every other weekend. And so he did that. And I remember literally going out in the woods, chopping down trees, um, debarking the trees, like from a, like as a first grader, I remember doing all of this with my father. We went to the junkyard. We got a bathtub basin at the junkyard. We went to the lumber, um, like the lumber mill. And we had requested all of the old tarps that they had put on the lumber to keep it uh, weatherproofed. If oh, they yeah. had holes in them, they threw them in the scrap pile. And so my dad's like, well, we'll take those. And so we wrapped our teepee with these old tarps. Um, and so every other weekend ended up turning into every weekend. And then by second grade, we moved into these teepees full time. And it was about a 30 minute drive. So was yep. this, when you said you were in Chicago with your dad, was this still in Illinois? Yeah. So we moved from Chicago to like a little suburb, um, Maryville, Valparaiso. Um, I did not know Rensselaer. you were from the Midwest. Yeah. 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 I'm like a Midwestern girl. So I grew up in the corn and the soybeans. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm like an hour outside of Chicago, but the other way we're like an hour South, oh. Southwest. So you Valparaiso. You Illinois? Yeah. We're on the Illinois side. Okay. So like, yeah. So you know like, where Valparaiso is? Yeah, totally. Like, cause I, my okay. town is right on interstate 80. So like yeah. 80 runs right that direction. Oh my gosh. That's so I did crazy. not know yeah, you were from like, this area. So when you, like when yeah, I knew your story, I guess I didn't read about where you were from, but I remember like your TP story and all that. I was picturing like West coast, Washington woods, that kind of stuff. I wasn't picturing yeah. Midwest woods. <laughs> yeah, no Midwest woods. So like my dad found this plot of land and this is actually a really funny story. He found this plot of land and couldn't find the owner, but went to the neighbor and the neighbor's like, Oh yeah, that guy is actually in jail and is like for back taxes or something. And he won't be out for 15 years. (laughs) So we were like legit waters on this property. And so obviously like, I'm not condoning like that kind of behavior. I was in first grade. I'm going to throw my hands up and say, I didn't know. And I didn't know whatever. I know. I'm like, I don't know about my dad, but. Anyway, so, um, yeah, so Northwest Indiana, um, in this little town called DeMott and, um, near Rensselaer. And so, um, so we moved in when I was in second grade and then we lived in the teepees for six years. So we were there from second grade until eighth grade. And, um, at first it was like dirt floor. I still remember the first night we stayed in the teepees. It was a winter night. It was like tons of snow around, I had one of those sleeping bags that like came up over my body and like, like had one of those like hoods where like you had that little drawstring that you like right. push up under your, like a little like inchworm. And, uh, to be honest, I remember as a kid, like not, not fully understanding our circumstances, but having enough wherewithal to know that like something was different mm-hmm. and my life wasn't normal. And I had a moment when I was in the teepees that first night. And I remember like looking up at the so there's like the smoke hole at the top right? and just like thinking like, what, like what is, what is happening, you know? And almost <laughs> feeling like just this, like, oh gosh, it, I don't know. I don't know if you're religious or not, or, if, you know, if it's okay to talk about that, but like, yeah. just feeling like, you know, I'm, I'm not alone and I'm loved and I'm valuable and I'm seen and that life was going to be okay. Even though in that moment, it didn't feel okay. And it didn't seem okay. Um, that everything was going to work out. And so, so we lived in the teepees from second grade to eighth grade during those years. I mean, 
I was the kid that came to school. I barely got C's on my report card. I smelled, I had chronic lice. I, um, like we didn't even have, a, like we had one of those washboards for our clothes. Um, and when I was, I think probably third grade, we installed a red pitcher pump, like inside the teepee. So we'd like pump the water into a bucket and this property, just a side note, this property that we were on was filled with old cars. And so the oil from the cars had seeped into the ground, into this water that we're pumping from this red pitcher pump. And we would heat the water up over the fire, pour it into a bathtub basin, like literally like a bathtub insert that we got from a junkyard. Mm -hmm. And I remember like, like third grade being so excited that we finally had a way to bathe, but sitting in the bathtub and like letting the water settle and noticing that there was this film of oil from the cars. in the water. Right. And so, I mean, I, I literally smelled as a child. I I came to school dirty and tired, like barely came. Like, I remember my grandma visiting one time and she, she said, I can't, I can't even go in. I can't even go in. And it wasn't because we lived in, it, it wasn't filthy. It wasn't like hoarder status kind of thing, but it was just so like a camping experience. It's like camping every day, you know, every day of your life. And so, you know, I don't know about you, but like day three of camping, I'm ready to go home and like scrub (laughs) everything down. (laughs) Yeah. And so, so what what was, what was it? You think like an ego thing for your dad that he didn't want to go back to grandma and grandpa's or, or what was, I mean, if he, he had to have known that you guys were, were dirty and, and, and did you not really show that it was affecting you as kids? Honestly, so I feel like my I didn't mean to sound rude by all- calling out his ego there. No. That was kind of rude of me. Sorry. No, no, no. You know, it it's totally normal to to wonder. And that's like a normal question. It's um and to be honest, I think as a kid, my I I had I've always been very resilient. And I think it's because of my life circumstances. I think from from very young age, I was put into some really difficult circumstances, but my dad was like Peter Pan and like, is just this positive, loving kind. My dad was like the most, like, I still remember him throwing me in the air and like, like doing tricks with me. And he was just a playmate. Like he just, so even though we lived in these, like as a parent, now I look at my kids and I'm like, I could never, I could never put my kids in that situation. Right. (laughs) Right. Um, my dad, I think because he didn't, there was never a screaming match or fighting or anything like that with his mom and dad. But I think he's, my dad was such a peacemaker mm-hmm. that just being in that situation and being dependent on them and hearing their opinions about how he should live. I think it was too much. And to be honest, I think my dad probably struggled with some mental health. You know, I think he probably would have really benefited from even like nowadays, there's so many more resources, podcasts and books and things, or even a counselor. Right. Um, and you know how the Midwest is. It's like, um, I mean, especially 25 years ago, um, there just were not resources and community is just, it was just not strong for him. And so yeah. um, he, he could have worked more. He could have provided more. And he showed that because when we were in eighth grade, we moved into our ha- first house Um but I will say this, like, I would not, I am, a, and, the, and I think this is just a mindset shift. And I think that, 
I think that it's important to remember, and I, I say this because, you know, as a human being, we're, we're not, none of us are promised like the perfect life and we're all going to go through struggles. Right. Mm -hmm. And I've had people ask me like, would you ever trade that? Would you ever trade what you went through? And while it was hard, like I went to school, kids made fun of me. They called me Pocahontas. They knew that I lived in a I was literally dirty. I'd go to school in my pajamas. I would get there early, have breakfast and stay until six o'clock and ask Miss Shannon for more snacks because I knew I was not going home to food every night. Um, but I will say that taught me resilience and I would never, ever, ever say to put your, your kids, you know, in, um, trauma, but there is growth in tension mm -hmm. and it's okay to fail, you know, failure and it's okay to go through hard things. Like, um, it, my husband and I listened to this podcast, uh, a couple months ago about this guy who was talking <laughs> about his relationship with his wife. And he was explaining how, um, like you should be doing hard things every day. Like yeah. it's like, we get to do hard things. It's a privilege, right? Like, for people who have to go through hard things in life, that's one thing. But when you wake up and your needs are met and you get to choose what hard things you go through, what a freaking blessing, right? You right. get to choose your heart. And so my husband and I, we say like, instead of like, oh, I hope you have an easy day or a great day. It's like, no, I hope you have a crappy day. <laughs> like whatever you're going to experience today, I hope it's a hard that makes you grow. And so maybe that's that. just like, how I've had to reframe my childhood. Um, but I genuinely had, I had a really fun dad Were my needs always met. No, absolutely not. But I had a childhood that was memorable. I learned how to chop wood when I was in second grade. I learned how to hunt. I learned how to, uh, you talk about steam extra, you know, science, technology, engineering, <laughs> whatever. Math. You were doing we were that before like it was cool, things. right? <laughs> oh my gosh. I have literally like burns on my hands from wiring a car battery to a light bulb because we wanted electricity so bad. We, we, every pickle jar we'd get from the store, we always saved it because we'd drill a hole in the top. And my dad figured out how to make kerosene candles. That was our light source. Wow. And so like, that was all happening, you know, and my dad would make it fun. Um, and he was very resourceful. Like when I say we literally went to the junkyard and we got like a toilet bowl basin, like that was all happening. And so, um, yeah, so my, my dad, when I was in eighth grade, I started vocalizing how like, this wasn't really working for me anymore. Like I, I, I was, I was, it was basically getting really beat up verbally at school mm -hmm. by kids. And so I came home and was like, Hey, I really, you know, and I was a going into my teenage years. I needed, I even needed privacy, you know, just right. having privacy in my own room. Like those are all important things. And so, um, so we got a house when I was in eighth grade, it was this little cute little cottage. It was literally a thousand square feet, two bedroom, one bath cottage, had a kitchen, a very small living room and a very small bathroom. And, um, but it was on this property, uh, with the landlord, her name was Thelma. And this is one of those times where I'm like, I am so thankful for women in my life mm -hmm. who saw me and nurtured me because she taught me how to sew. She taught me how to be a lady. She taught me how to cook. Like there are things that I make today that Miss Thelma taught me how to, That's to amazing. cook, you know, she lived on 40. She was a widow. Yeah, it was honestly, she was a widow. She lived on 40 acres. She had a blueberry patch in the back. And then, you know, of course, my dad being 
Peter Pan. Um, we had a go-kart and a dirt bike and a mini bike and a trampoline. And so it was, it was really fun. I, again, though, barely got C's on my report card. Um, but I had teachers in my life that, that saw me and, and, and I don't know, (laughs) I don't know if like, I don't know why my dad moved me so many times in school. Like by the time I graduated school, I was in 12 different schools. Um, all in the same area though? CPS coming. Yeah. All in the same area. So we, we'd literally go from like, I go from like DeMott elementary to, uh, DeMott private school to Wheatfield. And you know how like all the little towns out there are just, there's like Wheatfield and, you know, Valpo and Maryville. And like, they're all these little Rensselaer all within 30 minutes of each other. Um, and so literally every year I was at a different school. Wow. Um, and I think I, I remember in elementary school, CPS would come out and they'd check on me in the teepees. And, um, I was just happy. I just always had a smile on my face. And I think it was because even though like, you know, technically I had a roof over my head with the teepee, I had a dad who really loved me. Like he, we would have conversations and he would play games with me and he would like, he was present and he wasn't on social media. You know, this is before social media and he just was, he was so present. And so even as a parent today, I'm like, you know, I don't know what if I, if we traded a teepee for a house, would my dad have been more present? Because would he had to, would, would he have felt like he had to work more and, you know, to pay the bills and not be around. And then who would I be with? And, um, well, I, th- I think so, there's, there's anyways. something to say about his resiliency. Is that the right word? Resiliency. And the, the fact that I know you mentioned like, you know, my needs weren't always met, but when you stop and think about it, maybe you didn't always have the food that you needed, but your most basic needs were like you had a parent that cared yeah. about you. And I mean, I, I was just listening to a podcast this morning um, about, it was about technology and how hu- the human, like human race is constantly pushing towards the next thing. Like, do we really need the mm-hmm. next iPhone? Right? Like, why can't we stop right here? We don't need the next iPhone, you know? And, and uh, the, the other guy on the other side of the mic was saying like, like look at like tribes and, and native areas of the world where they've never seen another human being besides their tribe. Right. And imagine if we showed up there with an iPhone three, like that would be the yeah. most amazing thing. So like, I think it's, it's all perspective too. No, you weren't having yeah. the same things that all the other kids around you were, but you might've had something even better than them in your dad, you know, like yeah. that's the whole yeah. don't judge a book by its cover thing. But I, yeah. I want to, so, so you had mentioned you and your sister, was your sister with you through all of this too, or was it just you and your dad? No. So my dad, so we have a very like blended family. My dad, um, had a, had a daughter with another woman. And so Bianca is her name and she would come every other weekend. Okay. Um, but when I was in eighth grade, she wanted, she wanted to move in with dad. And so that's why we got, that's one of the reasons we got a house. Um, so she was in seventh grade, I was in eighth grade and then she moved in with us. Uh, shortly thereafter we got a house and then um yeah so we went to the same schools together um That's she's awesome. still back there you know she's got three beautiful little babies um so yeah and then you know um i i went to a different school in eighth grade you know went through high school and had continually just teachers who who i so many times i remember like pull, them pulling me aside i remember my 10th grade um, home economics teacher or home ec teacher. Yeah. She pulled me aside after I 
had given some presentation or whatever. And she like pulled me outside, outside of the classroom. And I was honestly thinking like, oh, this is awful. <laughs> what did I do? I <laughs> and she like grabs like gently my arms and she's like, Elizabeth, you, you have so much potential, sweet girl. And you just keep going and you just keep, cause she also knew my story, you know? And I, mm-hmm. I thought I didn't have a mom. Um, and my dad at that point was, was working more. And so I kind of became this turnkey kid, you know, I, I, and I had always come to school without food. So I was constantly like either bumming and I was so skinny and, um, probably looked malnourished. And so I look back at my pictures and like, Oh my gosh. Um, I don't even look the same. I look like Bam Bam from Flintstones. <laughs> I didn't know how to do my hair. I didn't know how to like groom myself or take care of myself. But, um, and then I had teachers who had special snack drawers for me. I had teachers who stayed after school to tutor me extra. I had teachers who would bring me food. I had teachers who pulled me aside and just poured into me. I had teachers who mentored me. And, um, and so by the time I got to high school, I mean, that's a whole other story in itself, but I ended up coming to California for high school when I was 16. I ended up moving out of my dad's house. It was not a a breakup. It was just very much a, he's like, all right, you're on to the next thing. And I'm literally 16. Um, so I moved to Oregon and lived with a, a mentor mom. She was like a mentor mom, um, somebody that I had met back in Indiana. And I homeschooled myself up in Medford, Oregon for a year. And then at 16 she years somebody old. who lived in Sacramento at 16 years old. Yeah. I was like cleaning houses and wow. passing out flyers on my rollerblades in Medford, Oregon. <laughs> I'll never forget uh, coming down the driveway <laughs> and splitting my pants, wearing these rollerblades. I was passing out these pizza flyers <laughs> and I was two miles from home. And the only thing that I had to put in my pants to like not show my underwear was this pizza flyer. So I like, anyways, and then I rollerbladed <laughs> home. Um, and my dad, you know, I love my dad. My dad didn't support me. He didn't send money. So it was very much like, all on me, you know. Um, but this was was this. I, I mean, will, backing I will up. Share this story too. Th- that was yeah. your your choice to do that. I mean, you felt that was a time where you were like, I yes. need something new, and you made the decision to go out there. Yeah. So I actually approached my dad and I said, "Hey, uh, Barbara's moving to California, and I haven't had a mom." And Barbara was somebody who, and I hope she, I'm going to send this podcast to her because I, I want her to hear just how grateful I am for her. But, um, you know, I did not know how to do my hair. I didn't know how to do my makeup. I didn't know how to set a table, like bless my dad, but he was not, you know, motherly. He was very like (laughs) rough and tumble. And I like, I appreciate that, but, um, she taught me how to do all of that. And so when I heard that she was moving, I basically, I approached her and I said, I want to go with you. I only have two years left until I'm like technically out on my own. And I approached my dad and I said, I want to do this. And he blessed it. He, he, he sent me on my way with her. Um, and this I was like say, a movie, like, like <laughs> this is like <laughs> something you read about in books. It's like the craziest story, right? I, th- I, I love it. I, you know, I'm a big reader. I'm a big reader. And the, there's a story in the Bible from, it's the story of Joseph in the Bible. And you hear it, the story of Joseph and his life. And you're like, okay, he was sold into slavery and then like became a servant and then ended up becoming like, like just his, his life story from where he started to where he ended up. I'm just, there's times I'm like, I feel like it, it has definitely been an adventure. Definitely. Mm-hmm. And again, so thankful that I think 
I think from an early age, one of the things that my dad instilled in me was just this love for learning and curiosity about the world around me. And so anytime that I've seen something, you know, that I'm like, oh, I want to be like that, or oh, I want to do that, or I need this skill and I don't know how to do it. I have, I have like no problem asking for help. Um, and I'm so thankful that there have been people who've been willing to invest in me. And so, um, so I moved out to Oregon, Medford, Oregon with Barbara for my, my, uh, I think it was my sophomore year and I was 16 and we lived there for a year. And then she knew somebody who lived in Sacramento and there was like a bath it was a private Christian school basketball scholarship or something like that. That was up for grabs. They needed basketball players, um, at this school. And at that point I was, I was paying you know, my, my school, my tuition, I was cleaning houses and passing out flyers for companies. And, um, I was just thinking, man, this would be really cool to have my tuition paid for. Cause I really want to grow. I don't want to do the GED route. I would really want to graduate high school. And so I went down and I tried out for this basketball scholarship and I got it. And, um, I went in and then met the administrator and she ended up being somebody who was very influential in my life. So thankful for her. And, um, I met the administrator and she said, you got it. And so I ended up moving in with the basketball coach's family and, um, they were kind of like a host family for me. And, and so I didn't have to pay tuition anymore. I kind of lived a more like normal life, you know, normal high school life. And this host family kind of supported me and loved on me and just invested in me. And so between, you know, like, I just, I just think like, I, I feel so lucky to have had so many people in my life that have just like helped and invested in me. And so, um, it's gotta be interesting to like sitting in their place and like, were there, were there kids in that family in the host family? Yeah. 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 So the, and to see like this, this girl come from Oregon, from Indiana to California and like sit across the table yeah. and just be like, how do you, how do you get here? Right. Like how, how does this, this work? You're 16 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, I know. And even like, you know, how I was saying earlier, just kind of sharing about like going from teaching full-time and running my business over the last seven years and then, and then basically quitting teaching and just doing my business full time, that change in pace, I've really had to like, even as a kid, you know, by the time I graduated high school, I had lived with like 10 different families, right? Mm -hmm. Um, For the majority of those years, families who genuinely loved me and and saw me, um, but, you know, been to so many different schools, met so many different people. um, And and so I, I've had to do some work on like, not feeling like I always got to be on the run, you know, right. um, always got to be doing something new. And so that's, that's been my inner work in all of this, but. I, you know, I've, it's funny you say that. Cause when you were talking about jumping from this to this and then not knowing where your head is at all, like I, I was just talking to who Didi, Didi and I were just talking about this and, and something came about my YouTube channel and I was like, I haven't put a YouTube video up in probably a year. And it was, I I still, I know like we shouldn't use COVID as an excuse, but I don't know about you, but I lost so much creative drive during quarantine. Like, I'm not going to lie as a family, we had a blast during quarantine. Like we played game after game after game. We taught our kids how to play all kinds of card games, but I, I never wanted to be like, I just lost so much creativity. And I finally made a video today. That's going to post tomorrow. Like I feel like I'm back on the swing of thing again now. And I don't know if it's what it is in this time period, but 
Um, I guess when you're talking about drive and, and keeping going and having to keep going, I mean, you had to keep going as a kid, but yeah. what would you say? And I don't know if it's even one thing, but what was it that, that, that made you do that? I mean, cause any other, anybody else in any situation, it would have been so easy in your situation to just throw in the towel. Right. And, and, and accept yeah. your life for what it was. And just, just, I mean, let's be honest. Like not a lot of kids in your, your case would have finished school, right? Like, or would have found their place yeah. in this world. What was it? I mean, what, what do you think it was? If you could, I don't know if you can name a thing. What, what was it yeah. that made you keep going? Gosh, I, I want to share this story because I feel like it kind of summarizes my answer because I don't know that I have a, a specific like A plus B equals C answer. Right. But, uh, and I've shared this before. It's the story of when I was in fourth grade. Have I told you this? And my dad looked at me and said, we don't have money to buy clothes. I think so. I think when we talked on our, okay, so, our a different interview one time, yeah. Yeah. But not so on, not on I, this show. So yeah, share it. Not on this show. Okay. I'll share it because I think, I think the thing, I think the worst thing that parents can do for their kids is take away the opportunity for them to fail. It does our kids a disservice when everything in their life is padded and perfect and mm-hmm. fail proof. When my, when I was in fourth grade, my dad came to me and basically just said like, and fourth grade for me was like the first year that I actually cared. Like <laughs> I was starting to like, you know, Fila was really big and Jinko pants were really cool. And like stripes down like the sides of your pants, you know what I mean? I was born in the eighties. Um, and so my dad basically, like I went to my dad, I said, Hey, it's time for back to school shopping. And, and he looked at me and he, and it wasn't like a, it wasn't like a snotty, like disrespectful, like, well, we're not, I'm not buying you clothes. You don't deserve it. It's like, no, like I literally don't have money to buy you school clothes. Right. And I remember as a fourth grade little girl, you know, I'm what, nine years old, 10, how old are fourth graders? 10 years old. And, you know, it was still summer. I had in the past collected cans. I'd hop on my bike and I'd throw like a black garbage bag on my back. And so I just immediately was like, and my dad looked at me and said, well, what are we going to do about that? And like legitimately, like, well, how are we going to earn money? How are you going to earn money? And so I said, well, I, I could collect cans. And so I went down to the local fashion bug that was literally next to Walmart. <laughs> and I walked in and I found these pair of shorts. Oh my gosh, Adam, they were like the coolest shorts ever. They had like <laughs> stripes down the side and they tied up the front and they were like 1999. And I went up to the clerk and I said, Hey, I want to buy these shorts. I don't have the money yet, but can you hold these? Cause it was like a size four. It was the last one on the shelf and I right. didn't want to lose the opportunity. And she said, I will hold them, but we have a 48 hour, you know, hold policy. And I'm sure you can imagine what I said to her, like, I'll be back. And for the next 48 hours, I got on my bike and I collected enough cans and I went in there with $21 and 97 cents. Oh my gosh. And I bought those shorts and I bought those shorts and I walked in that first day of fourth grade with so much pride on my face because I had earned those shorts. Right. And it was $21 and 97 cents, but I, I was so proud. Every kid in America needs to hear that. Like every, every child that's sitting in front of their Xbox right mm -hmm. now needs to hear that story. Yes. God. Yes, and experience it and experience it. Cause I think like, you know, and I'm not a perfect parent. I, I make mistakes all the time. I'm constantly like tagging my best friend, my husband. I'm like, Oh my gosh, I think I'm, I think I'm a, this is going to be a core memory for our son. Like, I don't know how, to, I mean, <laughs> but I will say like, give your kids the opportunity to fail. And so we try to do that with, with our kids. My son is 11. My oldest son's 11. 
And over the summer, he, he had some pretty big goals and, you know, on my birthday, we walked into Barnes and Nobles and he came out with a magic trick book. And, um, and I said, what are you going to do with that? And he's like, well, I'm going to learn how to do magic tricks. And I said, oh, that's cool. And so we were in a coffee shop one day. He had learned how to do magic tricks and he looks over and he's like, mom, I want to go do a magic trick to that girl over there. And she's awesome. like a 20 year old, like cute girl. Right. And so, and he's 11, so bless his heart. But anyways, he goes over there and all this, I'm like working on my computer in this coffee shop, just like focused on my teachers pay teachers work. And he went over and all of a sudden you hear this like eruption in laughter. And I look over and sure enough, he's got this whole group of people that he's showing magic tricks to. And I'm like, dude. And he came back over and he said, mom, she told me that I need a tip jar. And I was like, oh, so you learned a skill, you grew your skills. And then you're going to monetize what you're passionate about. I said, okay, so I'm going to teach you how to panhandle. No, I'm just kidding. But basically. <laughs> so For your next book, you're going to collect cans. I know. <laughs> I know. How to teach your kids how to panhandle. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but he went out for two hours after that. And he got this little like, like coffee cup and put tips on it. This kid made $180 in two hours. I am not kidding you. He made $180 in two hours doing magic tricks in our little town center in El Dorado Hills. And I will tell you, he bought a fish tank and he bought, like, he wanted to purchase this fish tank instead, like fish or whatever. And I've never seen a kid be more with ownership and excitement because he earned it. And I kept saying it, dude, you, you learned a skill, you sharpened your skills, and then you went out and you figured out. And that's what I feel like. I feel like every bit, like as teachers, that's what we need to pull out of our kids. Like, yes. what are you good at? You know, like, what do you love to learn about? What do you love to do? And let's invest and pour into that. Um, and so anyways, to answer your question, <laughs> I think the answer to your question earlier is, you know, I am so thankful for a dad who gave me the opportunity to fail. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why I'm so resilient. I think my dad instilled in me a sense of wonder and curiosity about the world around me. He made me think outside the box, like living in the teepee, like we didn't have lights. So it became, the question became, well, how are we going to fix this problem? You know, Um, there was no instant gratification. I like, if we were cold, it was like, go chop some firewood, you know? Um, And so I, I know these days and I'm sure I'm just curious too. like the struggle is so real, even as a teacher, it's, it's hard to keep like that instant gratification, like teaching kindergarten for so many years. I feel like I'm like, you know, changing the activities every 30 minutes. Now I feel like I've got to change it every 15 because it's like, they're so used to just going from one thing to another, you know? Yep. What, yeah, so I think with with teachers too, and, and this there's there's teachers who who might, you know, I think one of two things are happening. Either a they have students who are in, in you know in, in situations like yours, or or even worse. I mean, let's be honest. There's some some really horrible things going on in the world with families, but also yes. teachers with students mm-hmm. that they might not know that that the situation is as bad as it is. And what what do you think it was about these teachers that were so you know, so inspirational in your life, like Barbara, I know she was a teacher, but you know, a female figure in your life. What do you think it was that got them to, to notice? You know, like you said, you, you had certain teachers that stand out in your mind. And I guess if there's teachers out there that are looking for something like that, like if they have a student that they're trying to reach or trying to do what, yeah. 
What type of advice do you have? Because there had to have been something yeah. that these teachers saw in you, right? I know you mentioned your home ec teacher pulled yeah. you out and saw something, but even younger than that, if we have a, you know, yeah. like primary teachers listening, what is it, what is it you think they saw or how they found it? Yeah, that's a great question. Oh gosh. And I don't even know if I have a good answer. I think, I, I think the thing that comes to mind when you, when you ask that question is, as teachers, it's so important for us. I think it's so important for us to help build critical thinking skills in our kids and constantly be asking them questions. For example, um, and this is just like a really basic example. And like, if a student were to come up to me and be like, Hey, what time is it? It all, it's always a, it's never an answer. It's always that, well, where do you think you could figure that out? You know, mm-hmm. or, um, like I, I subbed for a fourth grade class this last week and it was like, it was really it was really good for me to be in the classroom setting um, again, because it's, I can, I could very easily default to thinking, I'm just going to answer the question, but to build that wonder and curiosity, like my dad did a good job at building those critical thinking skills and leaving room for them to figure it out. And and like, uh, so it's, so to answer your question, I think what, I think what teachers saw in me was I think they saw resilience, but I think that that's the result of my dad letting me fail. And so if the kids are coming into your classroom and you have kids who are really struggling with any, and there's some kids, you know, you don't know their situation. Not everybody knew that I lived in a teepee. They knew that I had chronic lice and I went to the nurse almost every day. I honestly went to the nurse probably more for a hug than for, you know, anything else. (laughs) Um, but Um, I think, I think people saw in me this curiosity and wonder and, um, almost like a childlike faith. And I think that my dad did a good job at instilling that. So as a teacher, I think that, I think that one of the things that we can help our students with, you know, uh, revolving around that topic is to help them think outside the box and ask them difficult questions and not give them. So to force them to know that they have the answers within them mm-hmm. and that it doesn't, you know, you're going to and stay and have real, have real life conversations. I do this thing called a sip and chat when I'm in the classroom. And so I'll pull a kid, um, and just do like a hot cocoa sip and chat where we just sit and I ask them questions and the questions are not like, what's your favorite Pokemon questions right. are like, you know, <laughs> what would you do? You know, those, what would you do? And those social emotional learning questions that help me understand too, like, um, what their, where their brains at and like how they, how, like, what would you do if so-and-so and give them those like social emotional learning questions so that, and then, and then also that helps me and Didi and I actually, um, created like a question of the day kind of thing and yeah. where we ask, we ask a question and, um, it's, I've used that for the last several years. Um, and, and so anyways, I don't know if that answers your question or not, but no, I think it totally does. I just think they if saw in me that, okay. yeah, go ahead. But if there's teachers that are listening and going, gosh, I, I have a student in mind, you know, like, and I've never thought about it, you know, like, and I'm not saying everybody has a child that's been through what you've been through, but I mean, let's be honest, there's some pretty, pretty messed up things happen in the world that kids are coming from places we don't know, you know? Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing, like pain is pain. It doesn't matter if you've got a family who's completely together, mm-hmm. that child still goes through painful stuff, you know? Right. And I, like, as I've shared my story with people and my testimony, I have sometimes like 
people have said like, I don't even know how to relate to you. I don't, I, I've never been through anything like that. My mom and dad are together and they've been together. And it's like, we're sixth generation in nobody's been divorced. You know, I don't even know how to relate to you, but I'm like, no, but you've been through hard times. You've lost friends or you, you know, and pain is still pain just because my pain looks different. Doesn't mean it's not hard for you. And so I think no matter the student, no matter what kinds of students are coming into your classroom, um, you should constantly be challenging them to see. And, and like, one of the things that my dad did really well was he was, he was like a child. He was literally like Peter Pan. Like he just (laughs) in himself just had this like joy and love for the world around him. And he was present. And there's that quote, you know, wherever you are, be all there. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if you know the story behind that. I forget who, is it McDonald? I always forget his name. I I don't know. I can't remember the guy. Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to botch this, but that quote is so powerful because the guy who said it was a missionary and his, he went into this, this culture, like these, this, um, area where these people had never been, um, like exposed to other, other humans. Like it was only ever their tribe. Well, he went into this, to this village and was killed. And then his family came and went in to the village and ended up like being missionaries to this village. And he's, and, and it's just this powerful story of, and the guy who ended up killing him ended up like traveling with his, his, um, the, the guy who he killed his wife. And so it's just this powerful story, but it's wow. all about the quote you know, that he penned is, you know, wherever you are, be all there. And my dad did a really good job at that. And I think, you know, as educators, we're pulled so many different directions. Um, but a couple strategies that I use, and I've shared these before is like the one by 10 strategy that, you know, just being deliberate about connecting with your students. So you take you know, 10 students for one minute a day and you connect with them and you just kind of keep a running list and you ask those social emotional learning questions. And, you know, kids don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And when you can make those connections with your students in that way, um, relationships are always first, right? Mm -hmm. And like you said earlier, my, maybe my physical needs weren't met, but my, what do they say? You got a Maslow before you bloom. So my my Maslow (laughs) needs were met, my heart was full, you know? Um, and then I would go to school and my, my bloom needs were met because my teachers had so many different, you know, snacks and food and all of that. And I would take naps and, um, <laughs> I, just, I think, you know, just being so, yeah. I just think about all that you had to have learned, like, God, you, you learned so much in six years, more than I've probably learned my entire life, like of what it means to, to work oh. for yourself. That's crazy. Oh my goodness. Well, I definitely am a little neurotic at times. Like I've had to like, cause I hyper-focus on stuff a lot, but I, I've had to like pump the brakes on the self-help stuff. I was just talking to my husband about like, maybe I should just like download a, a fiction, like audio book. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a beautiful story about something that's not self-help, you know? Um, but I will say like, there's a part of me that I'm, I'm thankful for that side of me is like, as hard as it is sometimes to manage, like feeling just constantly feeling like I, I want to consume more. I want to grow and grow. Um, there is a downside to that. You know, sometimes it's okay to just do nothing. I have this quote, I'm going to show it to you. It says, but I'm doing this challenge right now with a bunch of teachers. It's called the balanced teacher challenge, but it says, 
life is all about balance. You don't always need to be getting stuff done. Sometimes it's perfectly okay and absolutely necessary to shut down, kick back and do nothing. And so, you know, got to live a balanced life. Um, Which is hard to do. That's hard. (laughs) Yes. Oh my goodness. And teachers are pulled in so many different directions. Oh my gosh. It's insane right now. I, it's what I tell people whenever I'm presenting anymore, I, I say like, listen, I don't know personally where you're at in your education career right now. I know I'm not in the public school classroom, but I see it every day on my wife when she comes home. So I, I get it. It's, uh, it's, it's a rough time in teaching for sure. And it, somebody gave me yeah. a shirt one time, a friend of mine that said, teaching is the hardest job that you'll ever love. And, and it's, it's so true. Like we yeah. love what we do, but it's so hard to love it sometimes. <laughs> That's so good. I, yep. I think that's so good. And you, and I, somebody said you can never spend too much time getting organized. And I spent a lot of years just thinking, Oh, whatever I'm doing. I'm already spending so much time planning and prepping and everything. But when I ch- shifted my mindset in that area and really like started prioritizing self-care, mm-hmm. <laughs> like honestly, like I started having healthier boundaries. Um, And just, you know, as a teacher too, I think teachers are givers. Most of us are just, we give, give, give more empaths, you know, we, we see kids. And, um, and so I think it's so important being pulled in so many directions just to, it is hard though, living that balanced life, you know? It is. Yeah. So where can can I ask, where's your relationship with family at now? Yeah. So like my dad and my mom. Yeah. So my dad is still Peter Pan. He's still <laughs> he doing lives it, in a, he lives in a yurt in Missouri. Are you saying, um, oh my gosh. So the, my right. two students that I, two students that I tutor, that word was on their yeah. vocabulary today after school. You're, I never heard the <laughs> word yurt before. And they, this little boy, this little boy Griffin that I have, the story was about this family that had traveled around the world. And when they were in, when they were in Asia, they stayed in a yurt. And he looked at me, he goes, yeah. what's that? So we, I was like, let's <laughs> look it, it up. So we Google searched it and <laughs> he was fascinated by it. He's like, that looks pretty cool, Mr. Adam. I'm like, it is pretty cool. So, yeah. wow. I'm going to, I can't wait to tell him that yeah. a friend of mine's dad lives in the <laughs> Dude, what are the chances? Like you've never heard about it. And then I like, just today. Yeah. So just today. Just today. So, and then my mom is in Southern California and she, I am so proud of her. She's been clean and sober for, I think, 13 or 14 years. Wow. Um, she works for the state. Um, she works for the health department. She actually helps women who were in her situation, That's amazing. Um, you know, coming off of drugs, uh, coming off the streets, she helps kind of rehome women and she's a counselor. So she kind of helps with their mental health. Whoops. Um, that's my awesome. dog has decided to start playing with me That's right now. Right. <laughs> He's like, pulling up He's my like you've been on long enough. <laughs> I know. Come on, mom. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, I love my parents and I'm so thankful that my mom did the work that she's done to get clean and sober because um, I didn't have a relationship with her growing up, but we got connected when I was, let's see, my son was like a year old. Oh my gosh. And I had this moment with her. We were sitting across, we were at Joe's crab shack. I was sitting at the table with her and I just had this moment of like putting myself in her shoes. I had just had a baby a year ago and I had this moment of like empathy for her of like, I cannot imagine how, how difficult it would have been to give your baby away. Mm -hmm. And, um, and not, 
experience the birthdays and not experience the first steps or the first tooth. Like I, I can't even imagine. And so there was so much forgiveness that happened in that moment. And so it's just been a journey, you know, we've been on our own journey together as mother, daughter, and, um, genuinely, I'm so proud of all the work that she's done and, um, thankful for her perspective. And she's been through a lot, but, um, but yeah, she's, she's doing great. So I, um, none of my family is in California. So I've got a sister who's back in the Midwest and she's like my little doppelganger. Um, <laughs> and I say little, cause she's my little sister, but she's also an entrepreneur and Adam, I swear to you, it's like, we were born twins because she is like, we're, we're like copy paste each other. It's so funny. We just went to Disney world together. She had a baby like five weeks ago. It was her third baby. And I'm like, Amber, are you sure you want to go to Disney? This was before she had to be I'm like, are you sure you want to plan a Disney world trip? Now, mind you, she's in Indiana. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I know we got to go. And, uh, so anyway, so she actually, she and I were both taken away from my mother when we were born because my mother was a drug addict. And so Amber found me on Instagram five, four years ago. And she said, I think you're my sister. And I was like, oh, wait, this in isn't the, the sister that you lived with. No. no. Oh my gosh. That's what I was thinking. No. This was your sister back in the Midwest. This is a different sister. Oh, no, no, no. Different sister. Yeah. My mom. Wow. I know. It's so crazy. My family is definitely like a spider web. It, it's easy to get like, I get lost and confused. I'm like, what is happening? So just um, four years yeah, ago, she found four years ago, she messaged me and she said, is your birth mother's name Gail? And I was like, yeah. And her, I noticed her name was Amber. I'm like, I know I have a sister named Amber. And she's like, well, I live in Fort Wayne, Indiana. And wow. I think you're my sister. So we, we got on a call that morning anyway. So there's just been so much like reconciliation and you know her her adoption was a closed adoption so she was adopted out closed adoption and similar story though she had people in her life that loved her and invested in her and um and so she's just she's a photographer and does she's actually your neck of the woods I mean she's like four hours from you yeah that's not far at all but it's crazy yeah wow So, so thankful for people who invested yeah well, I'm thankful for for you sharing this because there's there's someone out there. Hopefully, I mean, I don't have a huge audience, but there's someone that uh, I always believe that with every episode I do, no matter what the topic is, that there's either a teacher or somebody that that needs to hear the story. And your your story is yeah. definitely going to sound with someone. I mean, it's it's so inspiring to to hear. I mean, like I said, in all other situations it would have been so easy to call it quits, you know, and, and you didn't. And I think there's definitely something to be said about that. So, um, Thank wow. You. It's, I mean, I knew bits and pieces you. of your story, but I didn't know that. I didn't know it all. So that's, thank you for sharing and yeah. being so vulnerable to that. That's amazing. Yeah. yeah thank so, you, Adam, so for having cool. me on. And also I'm, I'm looking at the back there on your shelf. Is that your, is that your book on the shelf? Which one? I see a picture of you. Oh, that, oh, that no, way. that's, that's my poster yeah. from when I did my TED talk. Oh, oh, that's right. Oh my God. I listened yeah, they, to that. And if you haven't listened, if, you, if you're watching this and you haven't listened to it, you guys got to listen to it. It's so good. Well, thank you. I don't and, know if this is like super conceited of me to have this in my office, but it's like no, have these hanging awesome. on the wall at oh, the TED event. That and is I, so cool. I was the first one. I was like, do we get to keep those? And they're like, if you want them, I'm like, well, heck yeah, I want that thing. So heck I still yeah. have like my TEDx with my Still got my lanyard. Oh my gosh. It's funny. The event that I spoke at has been either canceled or virtual since I did it. I spoke in 2019 and then the world went to crap, you know? So um, just this coming weekend, they're having their first in-person one again. And I saw like an advertisement about it. It's only like an hour from our house. So 
I told Trisha, I said, it'd be kind of fun just to drive down, just to go. I mean, they already have the speaker lined up, but I might just go and see. I know like the organizers and and they're all going to be there. So I don't know. I kind of want to do another one some, someday. I've got other ideas I want to speak on and it was fun. Yeah. I like, honestly, between you write, you've written a book, you've written one book or. I've, well, I've put out a few children's books, but I've written one. Okay. I, so one teacher book is out there. Like professional development. Yeah. Yeah. Teach, play, learn. Okay, and then I thought I, the second one is, is near completion. So my good friend, Kim Adsit and I are in the copy editing stage of our book. That's going to, it's all about science and, and fun in the elementary school. So Oh, it's called Kim Adsit is amazing. She's awesome. That's so cool. So you've done. Oh yeah. I've, I met her in person. I actually, cause when I spoke at the SDE conference in Vegas before the pandemic, yeah. I like snuck into one of her conferences just because I was like fangirling and I'm sure <laughs> she doesn't even remember me because it was like literally like bees on honey after she got done. Um, her, her session was so full. So I am sure that partnership going to be incredible between you have and I wrote I read your other book I think you actually sent me like the before it was like published you know I think so yeah yeah oh my gosh the proof I'm yeah and then um the TEDx thing and you're uh, you know sought highly sought after public speaker I think you're just amazing I think what you're doing is incredible and I'm so thankful thanks for having me on and anybody listening guys read his book Check out his TEDx. Listen to you giving me a promotion. I love it. <laughs> I know. Well, no, thank you. It means you're hey, that means a lot, honestly, coming from you. It really does. That that means more than you know. But so for those that are listening, and don't know everything is the Kinderhearted Classroom social media, your website, everything, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. All right. So everybody, check out Elizabeth uh, yeah. on every platform. I mean, you are all over the place. Your YouTube channel is huge. Um, yeah. Yeah. I'm barely on YouTube though. I was struggling on YouTube too. I'm, I'm probably most on Instagram right now. Um, but yeah, reach out if you're listening to this and you want to connect. I always love, you know, connecting with other teachers and hearing your story and um, just so, so thankful for this teacher community. I, I think it's so incredible that Adam, you're offering a podcast like this to bring teachers together. So thank I you just, for what you do. Appreciate I just it. love talking to people and it, it's, it's, this is the perfect place to do it. So <laughs> All right. Well, I'll let you go, awesome. but thank you for, for your story. Okay. Thank you so much. Wow. That, that, I mean, what an amazing story Elizabeth has to tell. And, and the fact that she is so positive and, and still sees the good in so many things. I, I absolutely love it. You can find everything about Elizabeth at the kinderheartedclassroom.com. K-I-N-D-E-R hearted, H-E-A-R-T-E-D, the kinderheartedclassroom.com. Com. Check her out. And don't forget to visit our sponsors and friends at sandhillcoffee.com, S-A-N-D-H-I-L-L, coffee.com. Pick up your favorite blend. Show them some love. Show Elizabeth some love. And we'll see you on the next episode. 